Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life, with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resource podcast show. Uh, I'm your host, Brenda, and I am out on the road. I am not in the studio, so I am literally doing this on the fly. It's been a load of fun and um, just taking the opportunity to get around, see some clients, have some uh, meetings outside of my home outside of my home area and outside of my office outside 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 actually we've had one outside outside so it's been pretty great so i definitely want to welcome you guys to the show it's going to sound a little bit different than normal but trying to keep it on the level but you know what hey change is good and a little variety is a spice of life um so before i begin please understand that the information that is contained in this podcast is actually just information and cannot and should not be construed as legal advice if you guys have a particular issue in the workplace involving employment law or employment challenges, you know what, reach out to me. I'll be happy to see what I can do about getting you a referral to an employment attorney through our friends over at Jackson Lewis. So today as we're running around, or I'm running around, um, I've been thinking a lot about business disruption. And what I mean by that, I'm not talking about disruption as to what changes a business, I'm talking about the day-to-day things that take place. Um, I, but before I get too far into that, first off, if you have been listening to the show and you are back, I really want to take a moment to say thank you so much. Uh, your continued support has just been absolutely fantastic. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, you know what, I, I see the numbers go up all the time. You guys are just awesome. I really do appreciate you coming back time and time again to hear me uh, you know, provide what I, I hope and think uh, is useful and helpful information out in the workplace. For some individuals, some of it is, you know, old hat stuff. We've been around long a time. And for some people who are listening, uh, this is all brand spanking new. So um, I'm pretty excited about it. So if you have never listened to this show and this is your first time, thank you again. You guys are fantastic. Oh, well, I'm glad to have you here for the first time. I think you're fantastic just as well. And uh, I look forward to uh, spending some time with you guys. So the way this show works is typically I'm sitting in an office. I've got, you know, two dogs in the house. They usually, you know, pipe up at some point in time and I'm usually editing them out. But so this time it's pretty much just me in the car. And that means I don't have to edit dogs. So which is a lot of fun. So in the show today, we're going to focus in on what is going on in the nation. We've got some more updates and some legal changes across the United States. We're going to talk about the main topic, and then afterwards, I'm going to teach you guys, share with you guys how you can find me and other things that can help you develop best practices in your workplace. Okay, so let's take a look at employment law changes across the nation. So first off, this is kind of a big one. We haven't really gotten into anything unionized on this show, but... The National Labor Relations Board has made some changes and they have made some proposals. So one of the things that they're focusing in on is employment arbitration agreements. So they are really taking a look at uh, arbitration agreements in in unionized environments and non-unionized environments. So definitely if you work in a union or are an HR professional and have not, you know, tuned in on something like that, make sure that you're studying up on that because there could be some changes that impact you know, your organization and certainly your level of work involved. But there's also something that's coming out of the NLRB. And for those of you who are listening and you don't know what NLRB is, that's National Labor Relations Bureau. And they're the organization and the arm of the government that oversees unionization here in the United States. Uh, and it keeps companies honest with the NLRA, which is the National Labor Relations Act. So <clears throat> there's some proposed rule changes that are focusing in on employees' free choice, 
specifically in the construction industry. And so what they're looking at doing is actually making some potential modifications um, as well to parts of their election process. So that is, uh, that's kind of blasphemy. We haven't really heard anything like this in quite a while. So it'll be interesting. Um, also across the nation, the Fifth Circuit Court uh, actually ruled um, that the EEOC had extended its authority or exceeded its authority in issuing any type of enforcement guidance back in 2012, particularly in relation to providing guidance on arrest and conviction records and what employers can and can't do. So um, the court finds that they didn't have the authority to actually issue that guidance back in 2012. So we may see some changes coming out of that as a result and i'm kind of curious as to what that is so i'm i might be doing a little investigative work on that. <laughs> we'll see um over in alabama alabama has initiated their new equal pay act so that is going to be taking uh, effect soon illinois coming back up again has enacted uh new workplace harassment laws and basically um, it has created new uh, provisions and has expanded responsibility and obligations for employers with very heavy consequences. So if you're in Illinois, make sure that you're staying on top of that. Uh, in Indiana, the Court of Appeals has made some decisions that have signaled their change in their ability to regulate or put in place restricted covenants as well. So restricted covenants are one of those things that are starting to come up. You know, we're... And the more longer you listen to this podcast, you're starting to see different trends across the United States where patchwork law is growing, and this is one of those topics. Uh, Kansas City has now joined uh, the salary ban uh, revolution, <laughs> or the changes taking place to what an employer can and can't ask in regards uh, to prior history and asking about salary is one of those so that's now not only taking place at the state level as you can see it's taking place at the municipality or the local level and then over in New York the governor has signed in a law prohibiting uh, any type of discrimination towards uh, hairstyle and religious attire uh, and that also includes by the way facial hair as well so if you're in New York you guys are going to want to definitely get caught up on that and then Rhode Island has also uh, joined in <clears throat> and uh, evaluating and putting uh, restrictions in place in regards to non-compete agreements as well. So that is what we're seeing most recently in changes across the country. And I don't have any poster updates for you, which I'm sure you're overwhelmingly heartbroken about. But um, <laughs> knowing how things are in, this, uh, in the world, we'll probably see some coming up soon. So today, as I am out on the road being a road warrior, <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, some things that are notorious and common that actually disrupt your business operations. And I'm not talking about business op disruptors. I'm not talking about interrupters. What I'm talking about is the actual disruption to your business. And there's a difference between the two. So there's digital disruption, there's business disruption, and what those really are, um, are the new things that enter the market that adjust how business is done. And, and it impacts, like Uber, for instance, that was a business disruptor to the taxi industry, right? So we're not talking about that. What we're actually talking about are things that become a time suck for you and your business in regards to very common things that happen. And I hear these things all the time. I've been listening to these questions for years and years and years. And, you know, just the nature of human beings, these are the most common things that come up. So the first one I want to talk to you guys about is probably the one that is the most easiest to control and the one that is the most frequently unaddressed, and that is attendance issues. Um, it's amazing how many people and clients I've had over the years get very frustrated 
over an employee's attendance yet haven't done anything to address it. So attendance has a tendency to disrupt work because the person isn't there or isn't on the clock or isn't online or where they're supposed to be to be able to address the business at hand, their tasks, their jobs, their duties, their responsibilities. And you're probably listening to this going, yeah, no kidding, Brent. Well, that's what it is. <laughs> like telling you something you probably don't know. Um, but what it does is that it requires the leaders and the managers to reshuffle the deck. <clears throat> it puts delays on business, it puts delays on products, customer orders, things like that. And it's also the one thing that is really difficult to gauge when you hire somebody in as to whether or not they're going to be an attendance issue. Unless they have, you know, openly shared something with you that, you know, the reason why they've had gaps in their employment over the years is because they've had to take care of a sick family member or something like that. Then those are going to be pretty easy. But atten so let's let's look at attendance and why it's an issue. So it's usually an issue because of the employee and the fact that they just don't have their stuff together in life. Now, is that something that you guys can evaluate when you're interviewing somebody? Not very easily. You can't sit there and say, so how well do you have your life put together? It doesn't work that way. Although that would be nice, right? Um, it doesn't. And so, you know, how, so the question is, how, how do you, how do you figure that out? Well, you know, it all, a lot of it will come down to how you manage your business, your day-to-day -day operations, and levels of tolerance. So first off, if, you know, I've always been a firm believer that if you're asking the right questions in the beginning, what you're doing is you may not be necessarily nipping all of the bad behaviors in the bud, because certainly you're not going to see what some of those are until they actually start. But you'll be able to identify whether or not that person is a cultural fit. And if your culture is set up and if it's nurtured and established in a way that there's very little tolerance towards bad attendance, then, you know, you're already ahead of the game. Um, I remember years and years and years ago. Well, I'm going to hold off on that one. Hang on. I got a story for you guys. I'm going to hold off. It's a great example, but it's, I'm not going to plug it in the right spot. And this is just what happens when, you know, you're not in the comfort of your studio where you have all your notes written down and, you know, you're jumping on this stuff. Some, some of this stuff on the fly. But um, so when you're looking at attendance, you're going to want to figure out, okay, so <laughs> what is the root of the problem with attendance? Because the root of the problem with attendance isn't just people not showing up to do the job. It's how the company has a culture in which it addresses attendance. And, you know, that might be a little bit of a hard pill to swallow because everybody has the expectation that when you're hiring somebody that they should know to show up to work and come in to do their job. Well, you're right, if that's how you're thinking. And that's probably gonna be about 95% of the people listening to this. And, and I wholeheartedly agree with your thought process. But it goes a little bit beyond that. <clears throat> so it's one thing to have, a, you know, the mindset of that, yes, you need to be here. But the other piece of it is how you enforce it. And it's not enough these days to just have the mindset. It's having it be a, a manageable point of concern. And what I mean by that is, is that if you have a policy on attendance and then how you administer it, or hold people accountable to it, that is gonna address a lot of your attendance issues. Not all of them, but it's gonna address quite a few of them. And that's kind of the part B to the equation that a lot of people, believe it or not, don't do because it's an annoyance, but it's also a great time suck. But like anything else, if you're taking care of something proactively, you will be less likely to have to deal with it reactively. So when somebody's attendance starts to get out of whack, if you approach it and address it sooner rather than later, then you're going to have a more manageable outcome and a more positive outcome rather than letting it build and fester and then it really become a massive disruptor in your business 
because you know now it's now it's the elephant in the room so I had a client not too long ago call me up really great people and they said okay so we have an individual we have an attendance issue I was like sure what's the problem and they said well I said we have this person who does this job and he was supposed to show up and we never heard from him uh, we wound up calling out and never got back we finally got a hold of the spouse and the spouse explained to us that there was a personal emergency that needed to be addressed the spouse was under the impression that the employee contacted the employer and it turned out that that hadn't yet happened but simultaneously while the employer was trying to reach out the employee actually did call and called in the day so they asked me they said so we want to write them up and I said okay so help me understand why you want to write them up and they said well we don't want to have an attendance issue I was like okay so this person's been working for your company for how long this is about two months I said is this the first time they're like yeah it's the first time so my question is is two months with one absence a long enough period at a time to determine whether or not you actually have an attendance issue and they thought for a second and they went well no not really I was like okay so here's what I recommend doing go ahead and document the fact that somebody didn't call and even eventually called but they did wind up calling out for the day so go ahead and you know make that a notation somewhere in their file or you can you know keep an attendance calendar or something like that and then if it becomes a pattern of behavior now you've got something to go on because now that thing has grown legs and but if it's a one-time deal and a one-time thing then it's going to just be a one-time deal and a one-time thing and it, it doesn't necessarily I think writing somebody up or putting some form of disciplinary action in place for a one-time thing that was like this really is a little harsher than what it could be because you don't really fully know the details of their personal life or what's going on in the background nor are you entitled to and they agreed and I said okay that sounds like a good plan so checking in with them you know six weeks later eight weeks later sure enough they've never had another incident and it was a one-time thing so fantastic right and then here comes the story that I told you guys I was gonna hold off on so years ago um, back in my 20s early 20s I was working for my my grandfather's hardware store and um, for the longest time people didn't even know I was the granddaughter of the owners of the company and I did that deliberately. I didn't want people to judge me poorly because, you know, I had the same last name or whatever. I wanted people to, you know, really judge me based off of what I what I was contributing. And the only ones that knew were the folks that are around, you know, for the long haul, the, the old timers. They they all knew who I was, but I you know, I never showed any type of you know, like I was spoiled or I was entitled or anything like that. So I had we had this girl that worked in one of the departments and she was very good and she was very smart and the customers really enjoyed talking to her uh, she was very knowledgeable and she was extremely helpful so she was in many regards what they would call a top performer in one regard where she was not is that she was always late 15 to 20 to 30 minutes every single day and it never went addressed but it was a common thing and it was everybody knew it uh, very few people accepted it it actually frustrated a lot of other people because everybody else was being held to task for their attendance except for her and I'm not really quite sure why that was but we had a power outage one night and we had lost power at the house um, and I overslept obviously because I didn't have an alarm that woke me up so I, you know, I was about five minutes late at that point. They called up and they said, um, you know, is Brenda there? And my grandparents woke me up and they said, yeah, so she's here. And, and I was like, oh, shoot, I'll be right on in. I apologize. We don't have any power here at the house. And, you know, I don't have an alarm clock. So I, the alarm didn't, obviously didn't go off. So when I got there, the assistant store manager had a disciplinary action ready for me. And I looked at him. And I go, what is this about? And he said, well, we have to uphold the example. I said, what example? And he said, you're late. And I said, really? I said, okay, so we're gonna talk about this. <laughs> so you're telling me 
that you're going to go ahead and discipline the granddaughter of the owner or who very few people know is the granddaughter because of a power outage and bear in mind this is back in the 90s so we didn't have cell phone alarms we didn't have we you had to rely on what you plugged into the wall i said so you're going to hold the granddaughter of the company for being late only one time with no prior disciplinary action and no prior problems because of a power outage yet you're going to allow another employee who habitually is late 15 to 30 minutes every single shift and doesn't get stuff done on a daily basis because why and he honestly couldn't he couldn't come up with a reason it was he, he just it choked him and I said this isn't gonna stick I'm not gonna tolerate this and this is wrong and you know it so needless to say I didn't get the disciplinary action I also decided not to tell my grandfather about it I just swept it under the rug and left it there <clears throat> and if it became a problem we would address it later but you know it's it's how the company addressed attendance and a lot of people were under that same scrutiny as I was at the time but they never addressed the attendance issue with the girl that was consistently late and the one time that they actually did it shocked her <laughs> imagine that it actually shocked her so um, long story short what happened in the end is the store manager who's the one that never disciplined her um, was uh, it was he definitely showed favoritism um, it was an admittance of it at one point and eventually she wound up moving on and doing something else and it was kind of a you know this bittersweet departure but nonetheless that was the imbalance and and it really upsets people well and that leads to uh, another type of thing that can be a business disruptor and what inevitably when inequity uh, appears in a business it is a contributing factor to bad attitudes now inequity inequity could be real or it can be perceived and ultimately when you have bad attitudes guess what comes along with it <laughs> a lot of gossip so I mean there's gossip everywhere and you can't really control gossip and uh, depending upon how bad it is there are times when you're going to have to step in and manage it. And then there are times where it's not even worth your time because that's just the nature of people. People just will talk about whatever they want to talk about. And sometimes you can actually control what is being gossiped by putting the information out there that you want circulated. And, and that's a little interesting trick that what you can get into on another time. But I've used that on a number of occasions when I wanted something to get out that I knew would that actually was a positive thing for the company and it has worked every time I've done it um, I've never not had that little trick not work on me because you just do it the right way but anyway so when equity shows up you're gonna have bad attitudes and like I said it's either real or it's perceived and when it's real that's something that can be addressed and, but it has to be one of those man-in-the-mirror moments that you have when you have to step back and say, okay, so where am I culpable in this situation? You know, if somebody has a horrifically bad attitude about something, how is how, can, how am I contributing to this? It, am I contributing to this? And what can I do to control it? Now, you know, those things are going to have some barriers and they're going to have some boundaries that you may or not be able to adjust or tweak or fix or correct. And then the perceived is the hardest to deal with of all. And sometimes when you have a perceived bad attitude or a bad attitude formed off of perception, um, there are times where you just have to throw your hands up in the air. And there are times that it's like, hey, listen, I'm not willing to quit on this person. Not too long ago, we had a, I had a client of mine who had an employee that had been with a company for about five years. And... Um, just every day it was an increasingly bad attitude towards the organization to the point where the employee was not willing to work with the organization so there were you know several meetings sitting down communicating about what needed to happen between sales and production and uh, you know come Friday when the meetings would take place he would be in full agreement ready to move forward 
everybody thought it was going to bright sunshiny day and then on Monday it was a toxic attitude and a complete 180 from everything that was agreed upon and so it was it had grown to be so bad <clears throat> that the conversation the question behind the doors was how long are we going to allow this to go on because as much as an effort we're putting into this um one we're not getting the same level of respect back and number two the employee is not upholding and adhering to their end of the bargain so the saving grace came when uh the company actually got the employee's uh resignation letter and um you know just as a precaution went ahead and permitted the employee to go ahead and leave early um, we offered a two-week severance package and uh just kind of eliminated the problem altogether because it was very toxic and it was very harsh and you know there's some other concerns around that individual and one of the big ones is would they have you know created a legal issue or issues for the company because of the toxicity and all the festering that was going on in the inside and not understanding that a company is or not willing to trust the company that they were taking steps uh, to actually do what was in the best interest of both parties involved but also not wanting to invest the time to allow that to happen and so that can actually go into bad practice go into bad attitudes as well as that when some people just get to that that level of you know the point of no return so it's kind of like an aircraft right when it takes off and it gets to a, a certain speed there's what's called pilots call the point of no return which means that they have to execute a takeoff because there is no way that they're going to be able to stop safely right so <laughs> once they're past that point of no return they're committed and it, it's kind of the same thing with an employee once they get past that point of no return there's no way that they are willing to take a serious look at how they can make the situation better. They're just totally bought in and completely 100% convinced that the company has literally become the spawn of Satan or uh, the owner of the company is you know, just the most evil thing on the planet and there's no room. So once that happens, there is no recovering from that. It's just best that the relationship ends and people go their own way but you know it's also well worth trying too but the thing is is that when it comes to bad attitudes you can't correct somebody's bad attitude you can certainly correct their behaviors and one of the things that you can do is to address a bad attitude is to address the behavior and you don't want to address the behavior as in making somebody wrong you want to address the behavior so if you put desired behavior out there then maybe that might be one potential solution and you know there's a lot of variables to this and there's a lot of you know what ifs and and buts and all that good stuff and examples that um, you know it's kind of hard to bring forward on a, on a show like this but you know we might be able to address it you know how to address bad attitudes in another episode further down and, and we can get into some specific examples but um, you know I'll tell you if you're trying to correct somebody from having a bad attitude you're really going to struggle and the way it, when people you know challenge that mindset and it's like well I think that they can it's like have you ever told a four-year-old that they have a bad attitude how well did that go over <laughs> or it doesn't right they get they get worse and adults are no different <laughs> sorry but we're not when somebody tells us that we have a bad attitude our defenses come up we get angry with it we don't want to hear it and you know what it just makes us cling to what it is that you know we're attached to at that time so bad attitudes are tough but they are some of those things that disrupt the organization um, office romance <laughs> that's another good one office romance can go sideways real quick and Ooh, that's definitely one where you're going to have to take a look and make a determination as to whether or not you're willing to allow that to happen in the workplace. Now, first and foremost, if you do, if you don't, there's no right or wrong. All right, know that right now. There's no right or wrong as to whether or not you permit an office romance to take place. But when you are aware of one, sitting down and setting expectations for all parties involved from the very beginning is going to be key and critical to making the outcome of an office romance 
less toxic and less painful if there is a breakup, which those things, you know, do happen. So when you have an office romance, uh, usually everybody knows about it before you do. <laughs> it's just the truth of it. Most people are going to know about an office romance long before the boss does, unless the boss is the one that actually discovers it. And if you are the boss or the HR person and you discover it, then you all need to look at internally what it is that you guys need to do. But importantly, one of the things that you can do to prevent a bad, ro bad office romance from really going sideways is establish a policy in your handbook um, that stipulates that if a romance is too, I mean, then it just can't be in a reporting structure. So managers cannot or have individuals that they are in a relationship with in their reporting downline. So if there's a romance that takes place within the command structure of the company or the hierarchy, then one or both people need to be reassigned so their relationship doesn't become a disruption in your business. Because mark my words, <laughs> mark my words, when there is a fight, there is going to be usually the desire to stick it to one uh, one person or not, if not both and it gets really nasty and then all of a sudden now you're dealing with bad attitudes you're probably going to be dealing with attendance issues and as we've already covered bad and bad bad right so <laughs> so we don't want to go there but when you do have a romance that's starting to take place it's perfectly acceptable to sit down with both of them and have a professional conversation with them simultaneously and and like listen and explain to them like look we are not a company that noses into your business personally that's not what we do and, and make sure that when you say that you really are a company that doesn't nose into people's business because there's no greater way than to break trust with somebody and one of your employees is when your company says it doesn't do something and people in your company actually do it and what I mean by that are leaders in your company that actually do exactly what you say your company doesn't do. Remember, it may not necessarily be the company, but it's the individuals that lead and manage the organization that are representatives of the organization that are the ones that do do those things. So, yeah, bad, right? Sit down with them and explain to them that you respect their decision, you respect their privacy, but you ask that they respect the workplace. And the minute that there is a problem, and that the minute that there is a breakup, that you are notified so that way you're at least in the loop. And the reason why that is, is because if there is a problem, we don't want to have one person laying accusation against somebody else in this workplace. And that's something that is not going to be accepted. So if you're in a profession, if you are in a professional relationship with each other and you progress into a personal relationship with one another, the one thing that you cannot and will not stand for is having a sexual harassment case come of this uh, blooming and evolving relationship. There is absolutely nothing wrong with sitting down and having that conversation with employees. As a matter of fact, the last time I personally had to manage a romance in the workplace, I did exactly that. And I'll tell you what, I shocked the heck out of those two employees. They were surprised that I even brought this up. And I said, you guys mark my words. I know both of you and I like both of you. But I also know your temperaments. And when you, I pointed to the female, get upset, you tend to railroad everybody in your way and you cause problems and you've openly admitted it to me. So, and she starts laughing and we're all laughing in the room and she goes, yeah, that's true. And I said, and you, and I pointed to the guy, you who are the nicest guy on the planet will do anything for anybody. But when your temper flares up, you cause problems and you also have openly admitted that and demonstrated that firsthand. And he's laughing as well. He goes, yeah, he says, you pegged me. I said, pegged you nothing. You told me and you demonstrated it. So I get it. So you understand why this is a concern. And they're like, yeah. It's like, okay. So seriously, if you guys are having a fight, if you guys are, you know, breaking up and having a disagreement, you tell me we're going to rewrite the schedule. So you guys have minimal time in this location, but I am not going to tolerate any major problems. Is that clear? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Now go have a really great day, right? 
it's setting an expectation and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that absolutely nothing wrong with that so office romance can be a big disruption <clears throat> and you know what if it's a successful relationship fantastic and trust me it, when the wedding bells start to chime everybody's going to be happy about it and celebratory and it'll be really great but you know what <laughs> Is a lot of dating before you get to that point and romances don't always wind up ending up that way whatsoever so disruptive employees unfortunately that's what you can get out of a romance however there are also employees that just disrupt business on a regular basis and it can be from a wide number of things it could be from attendance it could be from a performance issue it could be they just, you know, they've got a bad attitude. Imagine that. All the things that we talk about. It could be because they have personal issues that they're bringing into the workplace at all as well. Or it could just be that they're jerks. <laughs> and I say that with wholehearted honesty. Because sometimes you just get individuals who just like to see the world burn. And, you know, those again are a little easier to find you know the point those keys and those behaviors out when you're interviewing with people but sometimes we just miss out on them because you know we're listening to what their capabilities are and we get excited when we meet somebody that we think can do the job and we know that they can do the job because they got the experience but my gosh all of a sudden they're like the most toxic individual on the planet and they disrupt business on purpose and it could be because they're trying to get attention or something like that you know what you guys got to rein those people in quickly and i know a lot of people who are not willing to sacrifice a you know a performing employee over somebody who's not disrupting the business uh it, it's a it, it's kind of interesting every time i see it and you know i'll ask the question why do you permit this to continue to go on well you know we don't have anybody else who understands this technology or you know this person brings in a load of money for us and it does it's good business and so I explained to them I said okay those are two viable pieces of conversation but you also have to look at the damage that's being done as a result of that decision and if you can live with the result of that which you probably haven't even thought thoroughly on what that will be and the trail of carnage that's going to be in the, getting to that point, then I, th I suggest you take a step back and reevaluate. And I'm not saying that you have to like terminate them right now, but set some expectations that are around their toxic attitude or their toxic behavior. And you know what? You got to have that line drawn in the sand as to when you're going to tolerate it and when you're not. Because here's the thing. It's not only affecting you as a business leader, it's affecting the people around you. If you've got good people working around a toxic one, guess what? You're not going to have a lot of good people working around a toxic person. You're going to have a lot of vacancies around a toxic person. So what is the long-term answer to that question? And that's the formula that as an employer, you got to determine. And for an HR professional, that's a really challenging thing to feel and accept when leadership makes the decision not to remove a toxic person because we know what the outcome is going to be it's going to be a long hard road until that person actually goes away or the miracle happens where they actually straighten up or curb their attitude <laughs> and it's even worse when you've got two toxic people one another one comes into the fold and it's hard. It's really uncomfortable. And you know, eventually you wind up losing that HR person because that HR person can no longer trust in the leadership's uh, decision-making process. So HR is a very difficult position. It's a very thankless one. We deal with the negative rather than the positive. And although we, we try and bring positive to the workplace, we often are the ones dealing with all the problems at some point in time. And I'm not talking about problems like distribution, or you know not bringing revenue in I'm not talking about those kinds of problems I'm talking about the problems that sometimes can't be fixed and that is the individual as much as you can coach consult you know preach practice adjust discipline you know influence train at the end of the day we are always up against the individual will factor and so that can be very tiring and exhausting and if 
HR professionals, and those of you who are listening are probably going, yes, thank you for saying this, um, when they don't have leadership that's willing to address those things, then it's it gets hard. It gets harder for them. So, um, you know, the, some of those disruptive employees are just a real challenge. So what are some of the things that you guys can do to put things in place to help, you know, protect your company from disruptions in the workforce? Well, first and foremost, you know, you want to overall take a look at what your policies are and look at what your practices are. And I kind of gave you a few little nuggets around practices, but we're going to dive into these a little bit more. So first off, you're going to need a policy that addresses these most common disruptors in your workforce. And, you know, that's attendance, having a bad attitude, office romance, and disruptive employees. So you want to make sure that your policies address those things. Now, how do you address disruptive employees? That's a really good question. You can't have a policy that says, well, you got to stop being a jerk. Well, you could, but it's not probably not going to hold. And I think a lot of people might be offended by something like that. So it's not necessarily the no jerk policies per se. But what you can do is that you can create a policy that addresses workplace behavior. And um, you can create a policy. There's one that I've created, I've used many times. It's called professionalism in the workplace. Um, It was something that I saw from a prior employer. And I wound up uh, formulating one. Um, I've had a number of uh, employment attorneys really, you know, like it. And the things that are put into place that are uh, non-bias, which means that um, there's no, there's no, I don't want to say it. Non-bias meaning that it is objective and not subjective. That it's very clearly spelled out. It identifies what professional behavior is and what professional behavior, what isn't professional behavior. So putting something like that in place is really great. Uh, make sure that you have, um, you know, a practice around progressive discipline. I don't recommend anybody putting a progressive discipline policy in their handbook anymore because that's one of those things that if it's not managed evenly across the company, will get your company in court pretty quick and you'll lose. So if there's uh, imbalance, you want, as an employer, you want to be able to have the full benefit of and full flexibility of using progressive discipline to your advantage, meaning you want to change undesired behavior into desired behavior and make sure that Uh, Those things are being fully documented, but you don't want to put a policy in place to where there's imbalance on a regular basis of how discipline is actually administered. I promise you it'll get you in trouble. And likewise with policies, you know, you can have a hiring policy, but it's going to be very skinny and very thin because you want to leave it fake. However, in these areas, you're really focusing more on practice. So once you have your policies in place, like the easiest one that you can put in place is a policy of attendance. And, you know, what kind of tolerances are you going to permit and not permit in the policy? Bear in mind that your managers are going to be the ones feeling that if the policy is more in favor of the employee versus actually doing what's in the best interest of the employer. So you may have managers that not necessarily agree with the policy and ultimately it's their job to buy into it or make suggestions to correct it um, or improve upon it, I should say. And if, it, if their suggestions don't line up with business objectives, then as a company, you need to spend time to educate them. But you see, once these things are done and in place, they're done and in place, right? In addition to getting buy-in from your leadership and your managers to execute on these types of things. So that comes down to the practice side of it. The practice side of it is the hardest piece right there because not everybody is willing to take the time and is willing to take the effort to enforce the policies in place. And a lot of companies make the mistake, and I've seen it time and time again, they make the mistake of putting a policy in place thinking that that is enough, and it's not. It is nowhere near enough. All it is is just an expectation. Holding employees to the expectation is what develops, nurtures, and sustains the desired culture that you want in place, not to mention how you guys are doing it. So if you guys are experiencing issues with your attendance, experiencing issues with uh, your you know, disruptive employees, having bad attitudes, and office romance, you need to take a step back and take a look at how you're actually managing those situations. 
and if and look I get it I'm a business owner too I've been a business leader I understand that these things take time to manage through but it's kind of like you're the one who's the parent to some extent right you can set the limits of tolerance as to how long you're going to permit yourself to deal with these things or not and sometimes you may not always like <laughs> the answer coming back from HR that says we really need more documentation on this and they're right when they usually say that because that is that's there's a good reason behind that you want to make sure that you're fully covered and fully protected but there's nothing wrong with taking the appropriate amount of time in addressing these things and getting it documented and getting them handled and taken care of if you don't address these things and take the appropriate amount of time to get them handled and taken care of and documented you're literally only hurting yourself in the end and again nobody wants to work around toxic employees and your good people are going to wind up creating vacancies in that circle so um, you know these like I said are the common things that I've seen over time they're also kind of like the HR 101 of things as far as stuff that gets dealt with on a regular basis but they're the most common aggravants to any and I don't even know if that was a real word or not but we're gonna roll with it um, if those are the most common things that aggravate business leaders is why do I have to deal with these people issues well at the end of the day <laughs> if you have employees if you have people you have problems okay and that means that you have things to do so um, if you guys are in a position where these things are frustrating to you you don't have somebody in place or you're part of the HR team and it turns out that your organization is not dealing with them um, you've got management challenges that nobody wants to pay attention to these things you know what come talk to me I'm, I'm happy to help you guys put something together I know we'll take a look at one of these things are if you have no HR in place and you need a soundboard and you need a place to vent and say listen I have this person that's doing X Y and Z you know what you're welcome to jump on the website at bestpractices.org book some time with me and I'll be happy to sort through these things with you and help you put some things in place that will make your life a little bit easier as a leader and help you stay focused in on what it is that you need to do and continue to grow nurture and develop your business and just be an outrageous success where I believe everybody should rule the world <laughs> so. You know what amazes me every time I do a podcast episode is how fast the time just flies. I mean, it's from the time I hit record to the time I hit end, I go, holy cow, which means I talk a lot, <laughs> but that's okay. Hopefully it's useful information. And speaking of talking a lot, I'm going to be doing a lot of talking between the months of September through December. So there are nine workshops available for you guys to participate in to learn more about what is going on in the workforce. And the first one we're gonna do in the month of September is one that's called Holy Cow, My Employee Smokes Pot. And what this is gonna do is it's really gonna <clears throat> get into the weeds, no pun intended, on looking at uh, what's going on with the changing landscape with uh, the laws surrounding marijuana. It's already changed since we've done work together on a podcast episode. It's changed with the PRHR show since I did that one. It's continuing to evolve and at a very rapid pace. So this workshop <clears throat> is really going to, like I said, take an in-depth look at what's going on across the country. So there's going to be one in Virginia Beach. That is a live on-site workshop. There's also going to be a second one in Chesapeake, Virginia, but the second one is also going to offer the opportunity to be able to attend that virtually if you're not in the local area. In addition to that, as a bonus, added bonus, um, we are going to have a Q&A session, an in-live Q&A session with U.S. Navy SEAL Jay Redmond from the Eagle Rise Speakers Bureau. Jay's got, Jason's got an amazing story. Um, he's uh, just a really super fantastic guy. Um, and it's going to be fun that is the in live portion of it so if you're signing up for the virtual half of it we are doing the meet and greet afterwards with jason redmond gives you an opportunity to come in and pick up a copy of his book trident get on the list for his new book which is called overcome and uh some pretty cool stuff so in order to do that <clears throat> go to bestpractices.org click on the events page and you'll actually see all the events that uh, are available 
um, and you'll have a button that says click here to register that'll take you actually over to the registration page itself so if you want to see what's going on and all the really cool and fun things that are happening go to bestpractices.org and click on the events page and you will be able to see that also what's going on education wise is that we have launched the HR University by best practices which is a platform for uh, small businesses and individual practitioners that need some tuning up, boning up, and some flat-out education when it comes to HR, you'll be able to start taking classes online. Now, <clears throat> when I release a course, I have an offer, and that is within the first five days of when a course is released, you get 50% off. So this week, we do not have a course that is releasing. Uh, like I said, I'm out on the road, I'm traveling, but we're going to have some courses coming up. But nonetheless, regardless of whether you're able to take the 5 for 50 uh, offer, they're still extremely reasonably priced. So definitely go in, take a look at it. It is the most up-to-date current information that's coming from an experienced practitioner, which is me. <laughs> um, also, on uh, those of you who don't know, I actually have another show that I sit on. It's called, and I co-host, it's called A PR Lady and an HR Lady Walk Into a Bar Podcast. Um, it's fun. I do a lot of work with uh, a really fantastic human being. Her name is... Uh, Chira, <clears throat> Sharon Chira, and we just call her Chira. I call her Chai T Chira, but we call her Chira. And in the last episode, we really went into depth on what's going on with the immigration raids and what are some of the challenges coming out of that. And really, we have this show because we see a lot of commonality to where the PR borders and the HR orders and the borders touch. And so um, we are bringing our experience, our expertise to another show in a very fun, entertaining, uh, but yet very informative manner. But the reason why I'm telling you about it is there is a free book giveaway that's going on right now. And I'm extending the free book giveaway all the way to the end of the month. And you, if you go ahead, listen to the podcast, it's going to give you instructions on how to go about doing it. Um, but that's all I'm going to tell you. So you can find us called a PR lady and an HR lady walk into a bar podcast. Um, you can also find links to that <clears throat> at the PR lady, HR lady show.com website. And then, you know what, if you just want to find out what's going on in general and continue to get little, it's a bitsy pieces of the nuggets of my best practices into your inbox, then you know what, go to the website, click on sign up <clears throat> and subscribe and you're going to get a free gift from me. So I appreciate you guys joining me again today. Thank you very much. Uh, I look forward to your your comments and your questions. Please don't be shy. Send them in. They're really, really great when you guys are doing it. And I look forward to talking to y'all next time. Have a good one. Bye.